Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Fringe Radio. And welcome to Dark Fringe Radio. I am your host, Will Martinez. Thanks for joining on the podcast, or should I say Fringecast, but thanks for joining us anyway, one way or the other. I'm your host, and of course my co-host, Jay Galosi, on the line with us tonight. Jay, what's up? What's going the Fringe on, man? I know, man. What's going on? How you doing? Living the dream, living the dream. How you doing? Very good, man. Very good, man. Uh, we're going to have a great podcast tonight. We're going to be talking about some near-death experiences and stuff like that, so that's the main topic for tonight. Uh, but we'll get into uh, that later on. First, we're going to do a little intro here for you guys, and uh, we got some news, also some mailbag, so just a fully packed show for you guys tonight, as we always do, so hopefully you guys will enjoy it. And uh, thanks, Jay, for joining me this week, of course, as always. And uh, we'll get things started. So, uh, yo, Jay, um, have you um, seen the couple of movies that came out with Rob Zombie about about 10 years ago? Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and also, um, uh, I think there was another one, um, The Devil's Rejects. Yes, of course. Have you seen any of those movies? I saw I saw that, what was the House of a Thousand Rejects? Yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses, the first one, yeah. That's a, you got me all. I'd say that too. I hadn't even heard of the second. One. I had seen the first one. Though. Yeah, yeah. There was a second but one. You should definitely again, check it out. When it first came out a decade ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. Um, and uh, they're actually making a, it's a trilogy. So the third one's in production right now. Rob Zombie clarifying right now that um, they're almost done with the with the actual third final uh, tril- part of the trilogy of that film, which is going to be called Three from Hell. That's uh, the the final. Uh, cut from the uh, the trilogy that uh, Rob Zombie has created in this universe, uh, which has been some crazy, crazy films. But uh, he's uh, pretty much wrapping up uh, production on that currently. Um, but he's promising it's going to be effing awesome. That's that's you know verbatim quoting what he's saying. And um, you know if it's uh, that's coming from Rob Zombie, you got to pretty much take it for what it's worth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. I, I mean, uh, the guys, the guy knows effing awesome. He does, definitely. So uh, we'll be watching out for that. But I wanted to remind everybody about uh, where you can listen to the podcast. You can check us out on uh, Google Play. You can check us out on iTunes. Also, SoundCloud. Just wanted to remind everybody where you can check out the podcast. Also, Player FM is another avenue for you guys to uh, check that out. Also, our social media. You can check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram. Also, on Twitter. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, you can find out all our information there, all our daily stuff that we post. Uh, it's just a, just a plethora of information. If you want to keep on the most, you know, up to date stuff that we put on, is probably uh, the Instagram page. Uh, that's what you want to want to follow there, and uh, you know, keep that on tap for us. So, also, if you do uh, check us out on any of those platforms where you listen to us, try to leave us a five star rating and a comment. It really helps us out uh, for the podcast. And um, next week we'll be announcing. Jay, we have some really huge news that uh, we actually got our first advertiser for the podcast. 
which we'll be uh, talking about next week, and uh, which is very exciting for us here at Dark Fringe Radio because it's something that we've been trying to, uh, we've been achieving for for some time, and it was our goal of ours for this year uh, to get at least one advertiser, and um, it looks like you know we got something squared up already in the first month of the year, Jay. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge step for us. It's, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about it last week. It's very exciting. I know it's something that we we had talked about. It was it was a goal that I know we we were looking for in the future. But it just it's it's exciting that we've already hit that goal for 2019, and maybe now we can reset that goal to get even more, and that way we can continue to bring even more content and uh, and allocate more more time and energy into improving the show. And it's, and it's crazy that we've gotten that. It's, but this is our 47th episode. So that's, that's in right. less than a year's worth of episodes, we've already gotten an advertiser. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty good. No, it's ab- absolutely is. And um, yeah, that's the goal, man. It's it's the goal is to uh, you know get more and more for the year, and uh, you know be able to get a, a bigger platform for us to be able to you know disseminate all this information to you guys in a, obviously a uh, entertaining way. So all the help that uh, we can get from you guys is just continue to do that to give us five star ratings and uh, likings on the. Um, on the uh, listening uh, platforms, like I said, on Google Play, iTunes, all that stuff. Just continue to do that for us, and um, we'd really appreciate it. So that just helps out the show. Um, Jay, it looks like um, we have some mailbag questions again this week, so we're going to get into that here in a second. Um, it's a new uh, little segment that we started here, and uh, it's starting to really take off right now. Well, that's awesome. The more, that, uh, the more that our listeners can interact with us, the more they can ask us questions, the more personalized we can make the experience. I love hearing from them. Those, those two that we covered last week were, were very entertaining. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So uh, first one for tonight, Jay, um, comes from Scott Reynolds from Tucson, Arizona. And uh, the subject of the email comes over. It says, uh, ghost hunting apps. I don't know if you're familiar with any of that kind of stuff. Uh, but he's um, talking about ghost hunting apps. And uh, let me read the email here. He says, hi, guys. My name is Scott from Tucson. I've uh, wanted to know if either if you either if you guys, and he didn't write this very well, if either if you guys have ever tried using ghost hunting apps for the phone or tablet, um, I have been searching for a good dependable app to use when I do my investigations, uh, but I am starting at home for right now. Uh, any help or advice that would be appreciated, and I thank you in advance. Scott uh, from Tucson, Arizona. So, um, Jay, you have any experience with any of this kind of stuff? Uh, no, not me personally. I really, I've had enough interactions with uh with ghosts in the afterlife i didn't really need an app uh so i'm not one to go seeking that out but uh you know actually who might be able to give him some good advice on good apps i know we interviewed and now i'm totally blanking on his name because it was so long ago he invited us to go out from like a ghost hunt with him i'm sure he would probably know a great app but i can't yeah, you're talking name. about uh, David Rodriguez uh, from the Prison Paranormal yes. Group. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, world-renowned guy. I mean, he does a lot of that uh, ghost hunting stuff and uh, has been on TV for it. Um, and I can tell you this, um, from what I know in that uh, particular field, none of those ghost hunting apps work. They're bullshit. Just take my word for it. They're just bullshit. You know, they cost about 2 to $3 on a, you know Apple Store or something like that. They're not geared to actually take in the information, the scientific information that you're looking to actually uh, achieve on a real device. Now, there are uh, different things called mail meters um, where you can, um, you know, uh, measure uh, magnetic waves in the in the air, uh, which help. Um, That is a pretty good device. Um, Those things you can buy independently. 
Um, those are called mail meters. Um, there's also a plethora of other devices that you can use out there to uh, you know try to communicate with ghosts. Um, there's um, spirit boxes out there. Uh, those are pretty well known. Uh, that's where they scan the uh, white noise uh, frequencies of uh, different radio waves, and they're able to um, get voices that come through from the other side after you you know start asking questions in a supposedly haunted area. Um, so you have that as well. Um, so there's a couple of the things out there. I'm, I'm just telling you to do your research. I wouldn't go the app route if you're really seriously interested in doing some ghost hunting. Another thing I, I noticed that you said in your email too is that you're starting at home. That's something I would never recommend you do. Um, you don't want to start ghost hunting in your own house. It just doesn't make any sense. All you're doing is just asking for trouble at that point. You're inviting things in. So I would uh, highly um, recommend you against you doing that you might want to do that at a different location uh where you know where there could be a possibility of some type of you know spirit phenomena but i definitely wouldn't start at your house that's probably the uh, dumbest thing you could do so <laughs> don't do that that's just my opinion but um yeah you just don't want to do that but yeah that's it um that's all i have to say about that particular email anything else to add to that jay no i think you covered it. i like i said i wouldn't fuck with it in the first place i certainly wouldn't do it at my house uh, I wish this guy all the best of luck. Um, I really hope he doesn't do it in this place. Yeah, I hope so too, man. And if uh, things start happening and things start getting weird, just let us know. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear a follow-up email to this one and see how that's going. So, But yeah, stay away from those apps on uh, the uh, IT, like the uh, Apple Store and stuff like that. Those are just bullshit. Those are for entertainment purposes only. They're not gonna, they're not gonna um, really get the evidence that you're looking for. Um, like I said, the mail meter, spirit boxes, um, things like that. Those are things that you want to probably uh, gravitate towards. So that's enough about that, uh, Scott. But I do appreciate you uh, sending in that email. So uh, thank you. Next email comes from Sarah Nabian from Gloucester, Massachusetts. We got a Boston lady here. And uh, all right, yeah. Well, the fucking Patriots fucking won again, but let's not talk about that. The subject, don't they always? Yeah, the subject for tonight is ghost encounters. Uh, that was the subject for the email, and she writes, okay. um, "This is uh, the first time uh, for me writing into a show. I'm having issues in my place of residence, and I'm convinced that I'm living with the spirit in my house. Um, there have been occasions where I have woken up to objects being moved. I've heard voices, and I've also been dealing with uh, sleep paralysis." Um, that's pretty serious too. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that or have heard of that, Jay. Um, unfortunately, the activity has increased since they started renovating one of the floors in the house that is uh, that we rent and currently that has been unoccupied for some time. Uh, there is something that I can do. Oh no, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Is there something that I can do to make this go away? And if so, what should I do? And who should I contact for something like this? Any information that would be appreciated? I uh, thank you. So uh, that was Sarah from uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts, who wrote into us. Um, wow, that's a pretty heavy subject, there, um, Sarah. I don't really know where uh, to start with you on this particular subject because if you're having these kind of, um, uh, I don't know, experiences, experiences, um, yeah, it's just um, you really need to start doing some research in your house. Um, I, I would start with some historical research first. If I were you, um, you know, look into the history of the house, look into the history of who's lived in the house. Um, that's the first thing I recommend you do if you're really looking to try to figure out what this whole thing is, uh, because it's usually tied to somebody in the past in that house, guaranteed. Um, it's just usually uh, that's what I've seen uh, many, many times over and over again. 
Um, something's probably happened in that house for that to happen. Um, God knows what, who knows, but that's where I would start. I would start doing a historical um, on the house, um, figuring out who lived there before, uh, maybe who the owners were, maybe if it's anything that's bad that's happened in that location. That's usually key indicators of a house being, you know, um, having some type of spirit activity. So I would start there. And then from there, you know, you would work your way down. Um, you know, that's obviously the physical stuff that you can find out through books and, 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 and records and stuff like that. Uh, but then that's just only half the battle. Then you have to go in there and try to figure out how to remove these things. And, um, you know, who to contact? I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, it all depends on where you're at, uh, where you're located. You're in Massachusetts. I'm sure there's a lot of priests around in that area. You'd probably have to find somebody to probably bless that house and try to remove the spirits. Um, that'd probably be the second step, but, um, identifying what the problem is first is the key. So um, anything to add to that, Jay? Uh, you know, I, we did another interview with some with um, someone that cleansed houses, although she was out in California. Yeah. Uh, wasn't she saying, like, sage? Like, you put sage in, in each room, and uh, that helps at least. Yeah, saging um, definitely helps. Uh, saging definitely helps. I actually sage my house on a probably bi-weekly ba- or bi-monthly basis um i think it's pretty good it's good for the energy in the house but the thing is is that if it depends on the um you know the the ro- veracity of what's going on in the house that uh, you know you may be you you may be able to do it with sage um, like jay suggests um but sometimes a lot of that doesn't 100 percent work all the time so you might want to have to look into um, maybe talking to uh, maybe a psychic or a medium to help you contact the spirits that are in that house to help them move on. That's what you really are looking to do at the end of the day. But yeah, saging definitely helps. It helps protects you, helps protects the house. Definitely rids a lot of the you know the you know kind of pesky type of uh, spirits and bad energy that'll just be lurking around your house. So that was a good suggestion, Jay. I try. All right, man. Well, that's the mailbag, man. And uh, thanks for uh, you guys for sending in that stuff. We really appreciate it. And uh, we do encourage anybody else to, if you have any questions, please send that to us. Uh, suggestions, uh, show, uh, you know, guests, if you want to be a guest on the show as well, um, please send that to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's thedarkfringe at gmail.com. So that's it for uh, the intro. Another one little piece of news that I want to kind of bring up that's going to tie into another little piece of information that we're going to talk about at the end of this podcast after the near-death experience part. But um, uh, the box office this week, Jay, um, looks like M. Night Shy- Shyamalan's Glass hope, uh, you know, opening weekend looks like it nears $100 million. Looks like it was a hit this weekend. Uh, yeah, and I can tell you that uh, I personally contributed about 20 bucks to it. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, we're going to talk all about that too, Ben. You're going to give us a full rundown and review about what you saw, how the movie was, and what your take was on it later on after uh, the uh, near-death experience stuff, right? Yeah, I'm down. Very good. All right. So uh, we'll be getting into all that here in a second. Uh, we'll be getting to near-death experiences here and uh, following that up with a movie review. So you guys just please stick around and enjoy the podcast. The evidence thus far suggests that in the first few minutes after death, consciousness is not annihilated. Whether it fades away afterwards, we do not know. But right after death, consciousness is not lost. It's one of the great wonders of life. What will it be like to go to sleep and never wake up? Mm-hmm. 
Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You will find out, it'll pose the next question to you, what was it like to wake up after having never gone to sleep? That was when you were born. I started getting depressed. I thought, what kind of purpose do I have to live? I mean, do you, are you just here to live to die? I mean, is there not a purpose for me? Is there not a purpose in life? And when you're ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. I woke up and I suddenly got it. I suddenly felt, who is it that's aware that I'm thinking? And suddenly I was thrown into this expansive, amazing feeling of freedom. You suddenly see that there isn't a grain of dust in the whole universe that's in the wrong place. That you understand completely, absolutely, totally what it's all about. The experience you are having, which you call ordinary everyday consciousness, pretending you're not it, that experience is exactly the same thing as it. There's no difference at all. I saw that I was bigger than what I do. I was bigger than my body. I was everything and everyone. Take us through it. What, what happens to you as you find yourself submerged underwater? Well, I was submerged and the force of the water had me absolutely pinned to the front deck of the boat. This is while you're under the water with no air, with you, you can't breathe, you're, you're completely submerged. And at that time, I gave my life over to God and truly and sincerely asked that God's will be done. And at that moment, everything changed. I was very calm and peaceful and felt great. And I had this very physical sense of being held and comforted and reassured that everything would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. I was no longer a fragment of the universe. I was the universe. Everybody is fundamentally the ultimate reality, the deep down basic whatever there is. And you're all that. is to give us the opportunity to understand what life's all about. And when you find that out, you laugh yourself silly. Welcome back to the uh, podcast. And um, we're going to be talking about near-death experiences here tonight, Jay. 
actually it was a suggestion from an email that we got on the mailbag from last week from a, a, a listener who was talking about how he had a couple or one or two near-death experiences and uh, how it's changed his life um, in the ways where he can um, currently now, you know, have psychic abilities and uh, is able to, um, you know, see things um, after that. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that and, um, you know, how people, you know, have experiences like that and come out different. Um, And what I mean by different is, you know, we're talking about people who, you know, one minute are just normal like you and I, and next minute are talking a different language or having the ability to talk a different language or are having, um, you know, past life regressions or just a plethora of just different types of things that are happening. So, um, Jay, have you ever had a near-death experience? Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. My, I personally have never had a near-death experience to where, like, my life flashed before my eyes or I saw light. Like a tunnel, like uh, not like that. I've been in a couple nasty car accidents. I've been in a couple real nasty scrapes where, um, you know, you could say I was, I was in a life or death situation, but at no point have I ever been so close to death that I personally experienced that. Now, I've recently had, you know, my father passed in June, mm-hmm. um, and I've had some very interesting interactions since he's passed. And my uncle passed Father's Day a couple of years ago, and I was very close to my uncle. And uh, I, my mom told me a story um, about some of his last moments on this planet, and they both lead me to believe in. I already believe in the afterlife. I already believe that there's things out there we can't they can't explain. That there's a, a connection between us in this realm uh and this reality and realities that we don't understand yet whether it's you call it the afterlife or uh you know nirvana or whatever you might call it there's there are definite connections yeah Um, no i could i could and i believe good yeah i believe i believe the life life or death experiences are gateways between the two realms that sometimes when you're about to cross over, you get a little sneak peek. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Um, do you think though, Jay, that uh, people's religious beliefs have something to do with that intertwined with that? And what I mean by that is this, um, say for instance, um, let's just say hypothetically you're Jewish, right? And you mm-hmm. follow the Jewish faith, right? And mm-hmm. you yeah. believe that X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z is going to happen when you die, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that happens to that person because that's what they believe versus like, say, for instance, um, somebody who is, um, you know, Catholic, um, you know, they believe that they will either go to heaven or hell or maybe even purgatory, uh, depending on how that person, you know, uh, you know, behaved in their life. Do you think it has to do with their religion at all? Or do you think it's something that we all eventually just have to do? You know, we all experience the same experience at the end. Well, I think we all experience the same experience. Well, it's, it, it's kind of like, it, it might be a bit of both because it's just like most things in life. Uh, you know, you and I experience could experience the same situation and have two different outcomes or two different takeaways just from our own personal uh, sensitivities and points of view. Um, that being said, I believe that there's something 
more to it that actually intertwines a lot of the, the different religions, um, you know, aside from maybe Scientology, that because a lot, a lot of them, there's a lot of similar things in, in the Bible and the Quran, and there, there are some very, very similar uh, stories, lines, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, that those, there are a lot of very, very similar things. And what I think is I don't think any religion really has a hundred percent right. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with you on that. So it might be a bit of all of them kind of mixed in. Um, but I don't think any of us really have an idea of exactly what happened. So I believe that whatever happens, um, you know, we experience it on an individual basis. And also it, it all kind of depends on, on the person or, you know, there are some spirits that stay and, and are uh, benevolent and are innocent. And then there are other ones that uh, come back to uh, cause damage and cause problems. And I think that all goes back to the person they were before they passed to the other side and what their intentions were and how they passed. You know, I believe a violent end can sometimes lead to a very clingy and or violent uh, spirit or experience on the other side. Yeah, I do believe that as well. And it's just interesting to me because, you know, everybody has their own beliefs. Everybody has their own, you know, um, religious beliefs and so on, so whatnot. And uh, it's just amazing to me that every different religion has their own take on the afterlife. You know, everyone has their own, but none of them will can ever be. None of them can um, ever be um, 100% true because you don't know. But then there, you have these people who die. They have these near-death experiences, and they come back to life. And, you know, you have these people who are recalling these, um, you know, events that are happening to them when, when they're, you know, either in a coma or they've had some type of traumatic experience. So, you know, it's a, a very interesting thing. And I'm going to play something real quick here, Jay, that I want you to listen to. And, um, you know, it, it's a couple of accounts of people talking about crossing over into the afterlife and what they've experienced. OK, yeah, I want to hear it. All right. Hold on one second. I believe that I died. Yes, that I crossed over into the afterlife and came back. Absolutely. What is the afterlife like? Being in the afterlife was like being in a really unlimited space and time. Diagnosed with lymphoma in 2002, Anita Morjani withered down to just 85 pounds as cancer crept through her body. I had tumors, some of them the size of lemons, and these tumors were from the base of my skull, all around my neck, under my arms, my breasts, and all the way down to my abdomen. One February morning in 2006, Anita slipped into a coma where she says she died and crossed over. I felt as though I was above my body, but it was like I had 360-degree peripheral vision, but not just in the room where my body was in, but beyond the room. Morjani, who says she is more spiritual than religious, says she was reunited with her father, who told her to turn around. He said that I've gone as far as I can, and if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. For the first time, all the pain had gone, all the discomfort had gone, all the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible. 
Although reluctant to return to her body, she said she had a realization that if she did, she would heal quickly. Within four days, my tumor shrunk by 70%. Do you think that your experience with death allowed you to actually live the life you're living now? Absolutely. Death taught me how to live. There we are. While Anita's story is shocking, it's not nearly as unique as you might think. Just a minute. 12-year-old Annabelle Beam also says she crossed the line between life and death. At four years old, Annabelle was diagnosed with a chronic digestive disorder that affected the way food traveled from the stomach to the large intestine. In and out of hospitals for years, she spent most of her time in pain, unable to eat or drink. She was always so sweet and gracious that she wasn't making a big deal out of it. She just was kind of suffering in silence. The pain consumed her. I told my mom, Mama, I want to die and go to heaven with Jesus where there is no more pain. I don't want to be in this much pain for the rest of my life. I remember the words coming out of her mouth. And I remember thinking, that can't be what she said. She doesn't know anything about giving up. Like, she's a fighter. Just days later, Annabelle fell from this tree. And I just remember hitting my head three times on the way down and just falling. Sitting 30 feet up with her sister, Abby, the branch started to crack and Annabelle plummeted headfirst into the hollowed out tree. Annabelle says while lying at the base of the tree, she died, went to heaven, and came out healed. It was really bright, and I sat on Jesus' lap, and he told me whenever the firefighters get you out, there will be nothing wrong with you. I asked him if I could stay, and he said, no, Annabelle, I have plans for you on earth that you cannot fulfill in heaven, but I am going to send my guardian angel with you. A few days later, Annabelle shared her experience with her family. She was very matter-of-fact, very, this is what happened, not, you know, not at all animated, just here's, here's the facts. And then she just stopped talking. Once on 10 medications a day, today she takes zero is symptom-free and living a normal life. The tree still sits in their front yard, recently blown over by weather, with a cross Kevin carved after the accident. I am grateful for this tree. I am grateful that God blessed us through this tree, but it's a tree. And for Annabelle? I love this place so much because it was the place that I was healed. Two people, both grateful for dying, and now living. So there you go, Jay. Um, you know, that's a, a, a pretty, um, you know, intense account of, um, you know, people going over into the another, you know, afterlife and being having these experiences, um, you know, saying that they're talking to God or Jesus um, and, um, you know, coming back and saying that, uh, you know, everything is fine and they come back and everything is fine. So what ex- what explains something like that, Jay? What do you think? Uh, I mean, it depends on the person. I mean, me, me personally, uh, I have, I have belief. I have faith. Right. Um, you know, I, I've had enough experiences in my life to where I can't, I can't deny that there's something else out there. There's something bigger than me. There's something that, uh, is in, 
is in far more control of what happens to me um, than anything else. You know, a prime example. I have a degree in broadcasting. I was supposed to be in radio. That was my that was my goal. That was my aspiration was to you know to eventually be on radio. You and I were both in media class in high school. I enjoyed being on TV. Like that was what I wanted to do. Um, it didn't work out. I mean, this podcast is probably the most broadcasting I've done, um, aside from some couple little radio sense. I was going to take offense just for a second there, just one little second. I was taking offense. <laughs> I was like, what are we? Offense? I was like, what do we got here, Jay? Come on. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm okay. joking. I'm joking. Yes, the podcast has been amazing. Yes, I'm don't get me wrong, but I graduated what uh, in 1999. <laughs> begrudgingly said that but yes go ahead so 20 20 years my degree has been sitting yeah. in my closet doing shit yeah so and i've been uh working with kids and teach gymnastics for 18 years and i fell into that like it just the way it worked out it, i had nothing to do with my plan there was something that was leading me to where i was supposed to go and much like you know there's a million other examples that i can i can point at in my life to where it had nothing to do with decisions I made. It had nothing to do with, with plans I made or goals I set. Uh, it really, things tend to happen the way they're supposed to happen. And you can't explain that by coincidence. You can't explain that by, uh, just, you know, it is what it is. You, you can't, there is something kind of directing, leading our, there's an energy that connects all of us that kind of pushes us uh, where we're supposed to go. So for me personally, they're going to the other side, they're meeting, they're meeting Jesus and they're coming out healed. Now, somebody who's a skeptic or doesn't believe in such things might say something like, well, you know, sometimes bodies have been proven to heal when they're in comas because, you know, the blood flow is less and the intake is less and your, your body's allowed to rest in a way that's not normally when you're up and going through all these kind of medications and, uh, or, you know, sometimes sudden, sudden traumatic falls uh, can kickstart your immune system, uh, like into overdrive. Like they might say that me personally, I believe, I believe they went to the other side and it wasn't, it wasn't their time. You know, I, that's my, that's my personal belief. My, well, my uncle Jimmy passed, um, my mom was saying that he was my mom and, and her father, my pop pop were very, very close. And she said she was in the room with my uncle Jimmy and my uncle Jimmy was very uncomfortable. He had prostate cancer. Um, you know, it, it progressed very, very fast. And he had said as it was just the two of them physically in the room, she said that he, asked about my grandfather. He asked about my pop-up and, and asked if my mother thought that my pop-up was proud of him. And she, of course, said, yeah, you know, he loved you. I know he was, you know, you guys had a, he was hard on you, but it came from a good place because he, he always did care about you. He loved you. He just wanted to, to see you happy. And apparently my uncle Jimmy looked to the other side of the room and started having a conversation with my pop-up. And my mother said right then and there at that moment, she really felt like there was, it was the three of them in the room. 
she could feel him there. And that's interesting, you know, and, and it, we, we hear that a lot with people that are in, you know, hospice um, in the last, you know, dying moments of their life, you know, where, um, you know, they're having conversations with people that, um, you know, have crossed over already. Mm-hmm. So that's, and the next morning he was gone. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's very sad. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to me, though, that, um, you know, people are having these experiences. You know, I've had a couple of these experiences myself in my life. Um, I've had two near-death experiences, uh, once at a very young age and once at the age of uh, seven. So uh, the first one was at the age four. Um, I fell out of a third-story window and uh, fell on the first story roof, and um, that was at the age of four. I don't really remember much about that experience, to be quite honest. I was very young. Um, you know, I would have to do some type of, you know, hypnotherapy to go back to see what it would happen, what happened during that time. Um, but I can honestly sit here and tell everyone and yourself that I don't remember anything uh, from that particular experience. The second one, though, uh, I actually fell out of a moving van. Uh, while it was doing about 40 miles an hour on Seacrest Boulevard, which is just a, it's a main uh, road here um, locally. And um, uh, I remember that day pretty vividly. Um, You know, this was early, um, you know, early 90s, you know, I would say maybe Mm. late 80s. You know, my dad put me in the van. Uh, It was, uh, you know, one of those vans that typical vans from the 80s, you know, Chevy. And, um, Mm. (laughs) you know, it was one of those things where, you know, he put me in the car and thought he closed the door properly. And, you know, and, you know, during that time, you know, nobody wore seatbelts and there was really no, you know, safety wasn't a big concern in the late 80s and early 90s when it came (laughs) to seatbelts. Survival of the fittest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of had to, you know, it it is what it was at that time. But, um, you know, I remember taking off from um, the gas station and um, where we stopped and uh, after him putting me in the car and going down the road and literally about 10 minutes later, as we're going down the road, I remember putting my arm on the, the door um, as a, you know, to just hold myself up, you know, uh, just put my weight on it. And uh, as soon as I did that, I fell right out the fucking door. The door opened and I went straight out. Um, I remember hitting the, the floor um, and then blacking out. And then I remember being somewhere where it was just bright like super, super bright where I couldn't even barely open my eyes. It was like, um, I couldn't even explain it. It wasn't even like, like if you were in a room and there was a light flashing, it was like, everything was light, everything like the floor, the ceiling, everything. Um, it was so bright that you couldn't really, um, you couldn't barely see, like I said, you could barely keep your eyes open. And I remember just that. I don't remember anything else. I don't remember anybody talking to me. I don't remember hearing any voices. I don't remember anything like that. Um, and then next thing I know, I'm waking up in the hospital. So again, ever since I've had that experience at a young age, I think of, you know, I, I don't know, it's maybe open another side of my brain as well. Um, I have become very intuitive in a lot of different ways um, because of that. I think, I don't know, uh, maybe coming so close to death has a lot to do with it. I don't know. I, I, I do believe that this does happen to people who do have a brush with death because they end up on the other side of the realm and they get a peek, like you said, Jay. They get a, a glimpse into the other side of the world, whether it be a parallel universe, heaven, whatever you want to call it. Everybody has a name for it, but that's what I think what happened. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, again, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know what happened. It happened to me. It happened to me twice. I don't know what happened the first time, but I can tell you what happened the second time. And those, that's right. that's my experience with that. And, you know, I've, 
you know, I have my things that I, I deal with on a daily basis and, you know, I, I see things and stuff like that, but, you know, you gotta learn how to control all that. And that's just, that's a separate side of it. But, you know, once, once you've had that, uh, that, that, that side, that glaring side of the, of, of the afterlife or whatever you want to call it, it, it does open you up in some weird way, man. It really does. Uh, I mean, I believe it. I've never, like I said, I've, you know, I probably the closest I've ever had was I was on a I was in a Mustang in Tennessee that got launched out of a ditch <laughs> uh, and landed landed right directly on the front end. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Oh, that's and there great. was no airbags. Nice. I so you duped the hazard a car right into back. a ditch, huh? <laughs> well, I I was pulling out of a friend of mine's house and there was a little two lane road out in Tullahoma, Tennessee, and some dude came flying up on me, and I had a 450 horsepower Mustang, so I got on it, totally negating the fact that I had no traction. Like my tire, my my street tires were bald as could be. Um, so I kind of aimed it into the ditch because this guy was coming up quick and he was going to hit me. Um, and the car had positive traction, and at that moment he made contact with just my rear driver side quarter panel um, and gave me enough of a push where the tires caught, and at that point, the brakes weren't going to do shit. Yeah. Um, I went in, into the ditch, out of the ditch. I flew over a driveway, landed on the front end of the car. Uh, the car split a little bit on the on the grill, came, and then came to a rest back on its wheel. Uh, so I don't think I was a full 90 degree, but it, it was it was a steep angle it hit at. Um, I didn't wear my seat. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt because, again, I was around the corner from my house. I wasn't really too concerned. You know, I believe that day that there was something else that kept me, kept me around, yeah. kept me alive, but I didn't, and it wasn't so traumatic that I had any kind of Did you like your life injury. flash? Did your life flash, like they say? No. No? You didn't have nope. any of that? Nothing like that. That's why I don't, I don't think I was that close to death. I mean, it was a very scary moment. It was very dangerous. I can remember the feeling of the car being airborne and hitting the brakes and thinking to myself, why aren't these working? Like, there was nothing... Nothing traumatic. Like I, at no point in my life, flash before my eyes. Like I never felt like I was really in that much. It was scary. Don't get me wrong. It was scary as shit. Oh, but, I'm sure it was. But no, I didn't. I didn't have that. the The closest near death experience I've had, um, I've had since my father passed. I've had. I mean, I've seen a lot of ghosts, and you know, my grandmother and I were very close, and she visits me in my dreams. Um, but the one with my father, it's the most real, it's an experience, it's a feeling that I really can, it's hard to explain exactly the way it feels. Um, you know, my dad and I were super close. Absolutely. Um, you know, to, 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 to those listening to this podcast, it, words can't describe how, uh, how close my father and I were. Uh, he and I were, were best friends. I mean, he, he was, he was my role model. He was, he was my hero. I went to him with everything. He and I were close as could be. Um, and he passed in June and, uh, he had said in his will, he didn't want, he didn't want everything falling to me. I'm the youngest of ultimately five kids. Um, but I'm the one that seems to, when things really, when, when the shit hits the fan, I'm always the one kind of cleaning up the mess. Um, and that's kind of what happened with my father when he when he passed. I ended up having to kind of go through his will. I have two siblings who live in, in Michigan. Um, my father decided to be cremated. There was just a lot of things. There's a lot of things when someone passes on that 
somebody has to take the reins. And it ended up being me because my father and I were so close and it's just it's the way it worked out. Yeah. I, and I didn't get a good night's sleep for, I don't know, probably a month. Um, you know, I was getting maybe two, three hours at a time. And I was stressed and I was upset and I had to be strong for my family. I had to be strong for my kids, for my ex-fiance. Um, you know, I had to be strong for everybody around me. And I remember it was, it was maybe two days before his funeral. And I was having this dream where it was my father and his fiance. And I was trying to serve them cake at a birthday party, which I do all day long. I mean, I just did three birthday parties today. Like right. I serve people cake all day long. It's not something of a unusual nature for you. No, no. It's me going through my normal process. Uh, but for some reason, I couldn't seem to get the right piece of cake fast enough for my dad and his fiance. My father, before he passed, had COPD, so he was on an oxygen mask. And and this uh, this image of my father that I was trying to serve cake to was the frail, elderly uh, person he was just before he passed. And I was in such a rush, and I was so stressed, and I... I I remember I was I was starting to to cry in the dream because I was just so frustrated that, that I couldn't seem to get everything done. Um, and I believe part of that was because I was trying to play my father's funeral and trying to figure out, you know, the will and get things together with his, his fiance as far as his, his house is concerned. And, you know, a lot of plates spinning. Yeah. And as I turned, as I turned from the old frail father – the image of my old frail father, I bumped into my father. Huh. Uh, you know, the, what I remember my father being from my childhood, this young, this, a younger version of him, the younger version. Like he must, he might've been in his probably thirties, you know, early, you know, mid thirties, maybe early forties. But my father was a specimen. Like my father was a specimen. Yeah, he was. I mean, he, he was. He was only 120 pounds, but he was in, in even though he smoked, <laughs> he was in great shape. I mean, he was always a specimen. He was he was the one of the strongest human beings I've ever met in my life, certainly pound for pound, probably the strongest human being I, I've ever known. And I remember bumping into him. It was like hitting a brick wall. And my father put out, my dad had these big hands, and he grabbed me with his big hands and we like kind of shook shook hands, and he pulled me in and he hugged me. And that feeling right there, that wasn't a dream. Yeah, that was real. That was real. I felt him. I could smell him. Yeah. I, I it, it was uncanny. And he just told me that everything's going to be okay. Not to push myself so hard, not to, not to stress, that it's going to be fine. Everything's going to turn out okay. And he was right. I mean... The day of his funeral uh, was one of the most touching days of my life. I mean, the, yeah, it was you were there. The super amount of emotional. That showed up for my, the amount of people that showed up for my father's funeral was was unbelievable. And and I only believe I had the strength to deliver that eulogy that I did without crying. I was the only person who didn't cry. Yeah, I, I will be a test to that because I was um, I was crying like a little bitch back there. Um, you know, while all that was happening, and I don't cry that much. And I can tell you what, that um, it definitely brought a tear to my eye. And I was pretty hard to control myself at that point. But uh, you're absolutely right, man. You kept it together, you know, during that whole time. 
and the only way the only way I did was because my father told me it would be okay. Yeah, yeah. You had that reassurance. You know, you had that that moment with him where he reassured you in his own way, so that way you could you know be okay to go through all this. Uh, and so he made yep. sure that uh, you did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So while I might not have had, not might, I, I haven't had a, a near death experience where I was the one crossing over. I've had a lot of contact with people I care about on the other side, and I've had a, a I've had a handful of other dreams about my father like that. Where I can't say they're dreams. Like there are times where I know they're dreams, and then there are times where I know they're not, and I can't, I can't, I. I I can't personally say that I don't believe because every time I see him in a dream, not every time is it actually my dad. There are times where it's definitely, it's definitely my imagination. It's my brain. It's my heart. It's my soul missing him. Right. But then there are all the times where he visits me and, and it, there's a sense, there's a presence that you just can't, you can't define and you can't, once you feel it, you know it. So that's the nearest death experience I've had where, I know I'm touching the other side by proxy of someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes absolutely sense. I mean, um, you know, and it's it's so crazy uh, to, you know, to hear these stories. It's 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 crazy to think that this is possible, but it is. You know, we, we take life for granted every day. You know, we get up and we go to work and... Um, you know, we, we do the uh, normal routine every day, right? Monday through Friday, we go to work, we do what we have to do. But we don't think about the you know how that could all end in one moment you know that can all end in one moment and you know we have to take life serious in a way um and not take it for granted and live every day like it's your last because there there's no tomorrow's never promised at the end of the day you know there's no promises for tomorrow um and you know, that, I think that's the, the moral of the story that we're trying to get here today. You know, we're talking about near-death experiences. We talk about mine. We talked about what Jay went through, you know. and um, you know, But the, I think the moral of the story here tonight is that, you know, life is precious. And we should, you know, hold on to every kind of experience that we have. Uh, you know, treat the people that we love with respect and, and, and the love that they deserve. And, um, you know, continue to live life that way because, you know, anything else besides that, it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? You have children. I have children. You know, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners that you know listen to this podcast may have children, or you know, uh, are or are definitely children of mother and fathers. You know, it's just you have to you have to you know keep those people around you. You have to uh, make sure that you're keeping those people happy in your life as well. You know, don't neglect them. Don't take it for granted. Um, you know, every day is 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 a blessing. Whether whatever denomination, religion you believe in, it doesn't matter. I don't care. But at the end of the day, we can all agree that every moment here on this earth is a great moment. So everybody keep that in mind. So um, I, I think that's a pretty good ending for the podcast tonight. I would agree. So um, that's it for the near-death experiences. We're going to let that go for tonight. Um, Jay, I want you to talk about your experience this weekend with Glass. Now, um, Glass is the third trilogy of the part of the M. M. Night Shyamalan um, series that he came out with. Uh, first, Unbreakable. Then he came out with Split. And at the end of Split, everybody figured out, well, the, the obviously the uh, the Easter egg was uh, dropped that, you know, Split and Unbreakable were actually part of the same universe. And now this third film, Glass, brings it all together. Now, uh, Jay, you saw it over the weekend. That's correct? 
I did. I did see it over the weekend. Yeah. So uh, please give me your uh, overall take. What did uh, What did you like about it? How was it? Tell me, please. Give me a Give me an idea of what happened. Uh, well, it, you know, it's kind of in a weird roundabout way, a superhero movie. It's It's a weird take on comic books and how good and evil can be perceived. Uh, depending on your point of view, I found I found it to be very interesting. It's a different a different kind of take, a different point of view that M Night Shyamalan had has put on uh, this this superhero theme, which is a really big one right now. I mean, between Marvel and uh, DC, I mean, one of their movies is the the biggest movie of the year every other month. It seems, you know, yeah. uh, and the the new trailer for Spider Man Far From Home just came out. Uh, that movie looks great. So you, you you have another Avengers that's going to be coming out soon. It's it's the superhero genre is a big one, but M Night Shyamalan's focus on it almost pokes fun that these people think they're superheroes or they think that they're comic book characters or they think that they have superpowers, but in reality, um, it, it has to more do with their mind and believing things. Um, but it's funny because even in even in the movie, uh, some of the things that uh, that Kevin I can't think of the actor's name James McAvoy Split. yeah James McAvoy thank you thank you um, who did a great job who did an amazing job in Split and he continues that with this uh, with this char- with this char- the, that character in this movie um, continues having those those split trying to get a hold of the light and you know you have the beast and the permanent nine-year-old uh, but it kind of explains his how he became what he was or what he is and it kind of explains how bruce willis's character became the tiptoe man um which is what they refer to him a lot throughout this movie right um and they introduce a third character that long precedes both of them. Really? Yep. So overall, I mean, uh, you know, how was Bruce Willis in this film? I mean, I mean, I know James McVoy. I saw him in Split. He did a, a fucking fantastic uh, performance in Split. I, I'm sure he did the same thing in this one as well, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he continues on it. Although, and and they, they push it almost to a whole nother level. You definitely feel... You see a lot of the beast, but you really start to understand how and why these other characters, these other personalities, um, what they individually bring to the table. And you see him cycle through them fast. Like yeah. There are times where he's, he's pumping through them. Like, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, Bruce Willis, his his acting job was amazing, also. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has to he has to kind of play the at the beginning, he's the hero. Um, you know, he's looking for uh, the beast. Right. He's he's looking for this this person. He you know there, so he's he's constantly going out and looking. Um, you know, police are chasing him as well. So thinking he's that he's probably kind of has something wrong. to do with it, I'm, I'm assuming. Yep, yep, gotcha. kind of. Gotcha. Um, 
so they're you know he's he's trying to be he's he's the strong silent uh, hero who's not trying to make a big deal out of out of it. He's just trying to do the right thing and, and do good. And then you end up meeting this third character who precedes them both. Right, the and, mastermind of all this thing. Right. I'm sorry. The mastermind of all this thing, right? Supposedly. Master mastermind is a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. He is the mastermind of this thing, supposedly. You know, and of course there's 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 the M Night Shyamalan twists at the end, uh, which I'm going to completely leave uh, alone. It's you're gonna have to bear with it. It's a slow start for a trilogy. Um, for some reason they they do go a little bit more into the backstory. They they go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Um into the hows and the whys. Right. So it's a slow, it's kind of a slow burn. Right. It gets there, you know, it it takes a minute to, to really get going. But once once you've gotten going, once you're you're too once the momentum starts point, going. The momentum once it builds, once it really gets going, there's a lot of really interesting shit that happens that uh it, it it it's gonna shock you and again like i said i personally found it to be an interesting take on the superhero comic book genre uh and and movies um i found it to be entertaining and the people i was with they didn't like it but me i thought it was neat cool so overall out of five stars jay what would you give um uh this one here glass i give it three and a half three and a half okay that's solid and let me ask you this. One last question regarding that uh, film. Um, did they leave it open um, for maybe a fourth? Did they leave it open for a fourth? Yes. I figured that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, it's it's obviously doing very well in the movie theater now. It's made over $100 million over the weekend alone. It's doubled what Unbreakable did. It's doubled what Split did, which was a fucking fantastic film and did well in the movie theater already. So it's well on its way to um, having very high success, um, you know, in the in the in the movie business. And um, you know, it's hard for these studios to see something like that and then not try to have another one to duplicate that or make some more money off of it. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do after this because. Um, again, this is um, a studio film that's not actually owned by a studio. Actually, M. Night Shyamalan, many of uh, people may not know this, but he actually mortgaged his house to actually make this third film. Um, he didn't seek the money um, monies from any type top studio or anything like that. So he financed this film all by himself. So it's going to be very interesting to see how um, you know this takes on its life on its own to another, maybe to a studio or what they decide to do with it for a fourth film. So it's all you know, you know, up in the air at this point. But um, thanks for sharing that, Jay, and um, thanks for uh, watching that over the weekend and sharing that information with us. No, I you know it was it was a pleasant surprise. Actually, when we did the last podcast, both of us said we weren't going to go see it in the theaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I ended up doing I ended up seeing it last weekend. So it was uh, but like I said, it was. It was a good movie. Uh, you know, spend a few bucks, go see it in the theaters just for shits and giggles, see it once, and then, you know, beyond that, you can wait till it comes out. Um, I can't tell you if there is going to be a fourth one. It's going to be completely and entirely different. Oh, boy. Well, I'm looking forward to watching this film, man, and um, I'm really seeing how they're going to, you know, tie all these ends together. I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, I'm definitely going to be checking it out in the next week or two. So, again, thanks for sharing that, Jay. Um, and um, listen, uh, everyone on the podcast, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. Again, you can listen to us on Google Play, iTunes, um, SoundCloud. 
uh, Player FM, uh, any one of those, you, uh, you can check us out there. And, of course, um, our social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, please give us a you know five-star rating and liking and all that stuff. And if you have any suggestions for the show, please send that to us at thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Um, I'm your host, Will Martinez, and for Jay Golosi, my co-host for the week, of course. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We'll have another episode for you guys next week. And enjoy. And thanks for coming on the podcast. We'll see you.